Hi guys, welcome to Art Time of the Month. You're here to listen to the May episode of 2020. Um, we wanted to start this episode by um, holding space for Black Lives Matter and talking to you a little bit about why we've chosen to delay this episode. While normally we uh, post our episodes at the beginning of each month, this episode was scheduled to post on June 1st or 2nd. Um, and that was really the time that the entire world was telling us to shut the fuck up and listen and uh, really create space for Black lives and Black voices. Um, so here at Art Time of the Month, Joe and I just really wanted to uh, save space and and uh, thank you for saving space with us for the whole month and patiently waiting for this episode uh, to release. But really, um, we just want to honor um, Black artists, Black voices, Black queer voices, Black trans voices, um, and above all, Black lives. So thank you very much for um, for your patience. And here is May of 2020, Art Time of the Month. Enjoy. Hello, the children. Hello, Ms. Wendy. Hello, Josephine. Welcome to Art Time of the Month, children. It's Art Time of May. May. May 2020, the year of our Hellfire dumpster trash bags. <laughs> Yes, you know, people have been people have been posting those like dumpster fire memes since like 2016 and every nope. year. Nope. It's like 2020 was like hold nope. my beer. Yeah, 2020. <laughs> 2020 is where the real fire is at, y'all. 2020 was like set it on fire. Burn your bras. Yeah. Let's do this, bitch. Yeah. And and here we are bringing you the content. <laughs> In light of all that, I know um, we 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 do our best. We we we're here to do our best and to you know to serve you to our serve sevens. You. We're serving our sevens with our really opinionated viewings of the content that everyone's been watching because everyone's still been stuck indoors. This is our second full month indoors, um, and as we're recording this, a lot of California is about to reopen. So people are about to kind of restart, like start safely kind of frequenting public spaces again. And um, again, as ever, we encourage people to be safe and smart and clean hands and mask up and all that. So um, what else? What else, Josephine? Yeah, it's, it's so strange, like seeing everyone, like all these businesses that are like, we're open today, yeah. we're back. And it's like, we'll it's let four not... people in our store. Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange thing. We're ready to welcome you. And I'm like, I am not ready to go there. Yeah. And I think that the big thing with this too, is that we, everybody has different comfort levels with this and everybody has yeah. different um, health issues and pre-existing conditions and things like that. And so everyone is taking care of themselves in the best way that they know how we hope. Um, so we just encourage you to continue to practice self-care and self-care for the people around you as well uh, and keep you and those that you love safe and um and those of you who feel comfortable kind of 
occupying public spaces again, we ask that you do so safely and in a way that will um, be a gift to those around you, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's all we can do in these dark, troubled times. It really is. It really is Uh, all we can do. So if that is all we can do and staying home and watching a bunch of Netflix and Hulu is also all we can do, then listen, we got you. We're doing that. (laughs) It's all we can do sometimes. I mean, yeah, I mean, like there's we're we're about to have like salons and and barbershops are are given the okay to, you know, move into this next phase um, as best they can. And it's interesting because it's like, you know, I really need a haircut, but I'm also just like not, I'm not one of those people to be like, yes, tomorrow, let's book the appointment. Yeah. You know, because I'm, yeah. I know, I know. And I see both sides of it too, because, you know, there are some people that really do need that kind of, like that is their self-care and I get that. And if salons and barbershops can open in ways that are responsible and safe for their customers, then by all means go, like let your business please reopen. Um, But again, if you're not comfortable doing that, (laughs) don't do that, you know? So the best we can do is just kind of take care of our people's. Exactly. And, and, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to remember, at least with myself. It's just like, I'm not comfortable doing that. I don't have to do that. But that's Mm -hmm. all that I can control everyone else doing what they are doing is because that they're able to do that as well. So, you know, they, they feel more comfortable doing that. So Mm -hmm. definitely. Well, I mean, it is what it is. We still have no idea what the beginning of next school year will look like or what the summer is going to look like or anything like that. So, you know, all we can do is just kind of take this month by month, like a period and month by month, like our podcast. So there we go. (laughs) Um, We have in, in lieu of this or in light of this quarantine, we have been, um, uh, we're going to add a new segment to our time of the month called comfort viewing slash anxiety viewing. Yes. So what are the things that we're watching to kind of quell our anxiety, but also just that like ear candy that we just kind of need on as like background noise that isn't necessarily this like thrilling brain work that we have to do. So much stuff that's out there is really beautiful programming, but like it's going to make your brain work and think and so often these days, that is not what I want. I just kind of need background noise that's comforting and soothing. Um, and so what has been your comfort, your comfort go-tos? Well, I mean, like I, I've had a lot of, I've been watching a lot of things for comfort and it's been really, it's been really rare um, this entire like isolation period that I'm watching anything new just because, you know. And that's, yeah, like just to that point, you said before we started recording, I feel like I, I haven't seen a lot of things, but I've been doing nothing but watching things. And so like, yeah. that's kind of where this is all born from. I'm sorry to interrupt. Exactly. No, no, you're good. Um and so, yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've, I've talked a lot about it on Fright School about just the things that I'm watching to just have on in the background. Lately, it's been, um, lately, I started the first season, and we'll see how long I stick with it. I started the first season of Wings from NBC. <laughs> Wait, now, um, give, me, give me some actors in Wings and give our listeners 
a brief overview because I like very vaguely in some long lost corner of my brain holes, remember like seeing an episode of that show once. Sure. So Wings is a sitcom that takes place in a commuter airport. Um, It's like an airport that has a couple airlines, but they do charters from Boston to Nantucket Island. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the, the airport is actually on Nantucket. um, And it's about two brothers who run an airline um, that was left to them by their dad. And one of them is, they're both pilots. And one is the, you know, fussy straight laced character. And the other one is the kind of uh, screw up. Very uh, yeah, exactly. Very Frasier, very odd couple. Got it. So um, like a straight Tim man. Daly. What? Exactly. Uh, Tim Daly uh, plays one of the brothers. Tim Daly. Is it Thomas Hayden Church was also in this as well? Thomas Hayden Church, is, he's the mechanic. Uh-huh. Um, you have a Tony Shaloub. Um, yes, a pre-Mazel Tony Shaloub. Pre-Mazel Tony Shaloub is in this. And I forget what his role is exactly. I'm going to tell played- you right now, Antonio... Yeah, but like I forget what he is to the town. If he's like a driver or something, but mm, got it, um, got it, got it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony Shalhoub, and then there's one more. The other brother, I forget Stephen who plays Weber. Him. Thank you, Stephen You're Weber. Welcome. Um, who he? It's funny because like he he recently was um he did a movie uh, a horror film last year called The Perfection uh-huh. that like I can't I can't get the it like watching wings i can't get the image of him as this horrible um horror movie villain out of my head oh um so that's been so that's been interesting to like you know something that he's supposed to be really uh um he's supposed to be fun in (laughs) there's a lot of people i mean the character of fraser crane was in this show also yeah, it was it was one of those um it was one of those films that take place in that same universe. The crossover. So, the crossover yeah, so of like Cheers, Frasier, all. all of it. Yeah. Um Tyne Daly was in this, Amy Yazbeck was in it, George Went of Cheers was in it. Um anyway. There you go. Yeah, long lost gem of wings. What else have you been watching? Um, I've been watching uh, The O.C. because... California! <laughs> Here we come! Um, I've been watching it because it's on um, it's on HBO Max. Um, oh. So I have HBO Max now, and in, in addition to having, like, the entire series of Friends, they have a bunch of other things, and one of the things they have is O.C. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me watch this. They have a huge catalog, um, yeah, yeah huge catalog um and it's really it's just so it's so dated but like it's such (laughs) of that period where it was like 2003 is when the first season premiered Mm -hmm. and it is and four they only made it four seasons but it's like that network show of like there's 20 episodes in a season and there's Mm -hmm. like the topical jokes and peter gallagher gallagher's eyebrows and Oh my god, Peter Gallagher's eyebrows, Peter Gallagher's like lips in this Uh one. He's got a lot of like, he's got like a light lip and like a really pouty thing going on. Oh yeah, Peter Gallagher can get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peter, and he plays like you know surfer slash you know lawyer and like real like liberal cool dad. Yeah, exactly. Here for it. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, it's it's a good show. So (laughs) I mean, it's. Is is it a good show? Uh, that yeah. remains to be seen, but it's yeah. it's a fun show. 
Yeah, we have a Misha what, Barton moment in there, right? Adam Brody. Um, yes, we have. A, it's a lot of Misha Barton up until uh, up until mm. season three. God, she was <laughs> like, I remember seeing the OC and thinking, God, she's such a bad actress. She's the yeah. worst. <laughs> like, I remember um, watching it and thinking, like, Wow, she looks hungry. Um, <laughs> I mean, not to body yes. shame anybody, but I was just like, Oh my yeah. gosh, this is really. That was the uh, time. It was, you know, early two thousand. It was. A- and there's like this there's a there's an episode i just watched recently where um she like goes to she like runs away from home and goes to the ex-girlfriend of her current boyfriend's house and they're getting ready for a party and and he's about to he's commenting on her dress and Uh it's like oh that's a nice dress and she's like oh yeah it's Teresa's. and like Teresa could easily be like five dress sizes she's supposed to be this like you know um like you know very curvy Latina uh-huh. woman, but curvy for the time. So, you know, yeah. not normal, like normal, quote unquote. And I'm like, she fits it perfectly. Like it's very fitted. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. That there <laughs> there's no way this was, um, was you know, no, like, awareness of, like body differentiation or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, there's no way they're the same size, but yeah. What are you watching for comfort? My comfort viewing. And I feel like I've been talking about this for months now, but maybe because I have been watching this for months now, uh, is Grey's Anatomy. I started again at episode one, and there are 16 seasons total. Wow. And the 16th season just came out on Netflix also. So um, right now I am mid-season 15. I'm about, yeah, I'm a little, I'm close to like the midway mark of season 15. And again, it's nothing that I'm like, like thrilled by. I just need it as like background noise you know Mm -hmm. it's just kind of comforting it's characters that like i'm already familiar with i already know and um it's a lot of the oh yeah i forgot that that storyline happened oh yeah um and and that's all i need right now you know so it's it's uh it's been nice and when i think i don't know what's going to happen when i'm done with season 16 Probably mourn a little bit <laughs> and then probably rewatch Shit's Creek or something like that. Who knows? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I have taken a few breaks from the Grey's viewing to watch some other things. Cool. So we do have things to discuss in May. Um, I want to start by talking about like the things that both you and I have viewed together. Um, sure. So both you and I have seen... Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. Yes. All right. There's much to discuss here. I have several opinions about this. What are your opinions? Well, I, I, hmm, I haven't really prepared much for this episode. I'm going to be honest <laughs> because I haven't stopped to think about like how to organize my thoughts around this yet. But <laughs> I think that it was so obviously heightened and glamorized and glorified and uh and it was like this alternate hollywood this like an anachronistic you know what we wish it would have been back then kind of hollywood Mm -hmm. so because of that there's a lot of what you might think to be problematic mistakes but not um, so much of it was just so gratuitous there was just so much sex which i was not mad at Mm-mm. Um, you're there supposed was, to have more. 
there were some real sexy times up in that show and I was here for it. Um, mainly what I would like to discuss is Patty Lapone's sex scenes. Yes. Patty Lapone's sex scenes are unsettling. I did not think that they were unsettling. I'm like, you know, for someone who is like, like in her, like past her prime, in her prime, past her prime, like beyond middle aged, having some real hot sex scenes. It's like, who's to say old people can't have sex. That's hot and glamorous. We don't always necessarily want to see that, but the fact that she got to like get busy with the hot young man, go ahead, Patty Lapone. I was here for it. I was thinking more it was unsettling. It was just like, you know, when you see when you see like your heroes like below their nose, you know, mm-hmm. like it's very, it's one of those things where someone who pop culture has like deified and then all of a sudden you're seeing their like O face. <laughs> oh, see, no, I didn't see it like that. I was like, yeah. yes, here's here's this person we've deified and here's this person that we love and she's such an icon and like, go ahead. Yeah, let's like, watch some hot young dude going down on her. Go ahead. Why not? You know, like if anything, it was like empowering. It was good. It was exciting to see her. No, I, I agree with all of that. It was just like, initially I'm just like, Ooh, this is like, you're just supposed to hetero love. I, that, yes, that's true. You just don't like watching straight people have sex. It's okay, Joe. I mean, I do love me. I do love me some David Corrin sweat just because he's just so dreamy to look at. And he also like is, I was like, are you trying to be bad? Like, are you, because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's not, I mean, you know, he, the thing, the thing about Hollywood for me is just like, yeah, we, we could have had this, you know, we could have had all of this if, uh, you know, white cis patriarchy, racism and misogyny were uh, not as pervasive, like not as powerful and pervasive. Like if they all, mm. um, you know, went into comas uh, when they fucked their mistresses, like that's, yeah. this is, not, we could have definitely had all of this. And so it's nice to, it's nice to have this kind of like, you know, fan fiction of what Hollywood could have been. This yeah. alternate history. That's exactly how it read to me. It was like fan fiction. There were nods to actual historical moments, like with Hattie McDaniel, uh, like with Vivian Lee, like with mm-hmm. Rock Hudson. But then, you know, like, no, Rock Hudson did not bring his boyfriend to the Oscars. And no, yeah. a black woman did not sit in the front row at the Oscars and win, you know, like, It just, no, you know, the first black woman to win an Oscar was Halle Berry, you know, in Mm -hmm. like 2005 or six or something, you know? So it's, yeah. Yeah. It was very, and I'm sorry, I should kind of to win an Oscar in the leading actress category. Mm. Patty McDaniel famously did it for Gone with the Wind for supporting. For supporting. Yeah. What was upsetting, I think for me too, was the idea that, like it that that final episode just you know lays it on really thick with it was like i loved the whole series until that final episode i'm glad you said that yeah the final episode i was just like ugh, come on everything was so sickly sweet and just wrapped up in like a perfect little glossy bow and it was just Mm -hmm. dumb everyone gets an oscar nomination she everyone gets an oscar yeah whatever 
Everyone gets um, um the they find the film like the film it got burned but it didn't yeah. get burned and I'm like yeah. mm, that's something you do when you have like you that's something you you roll out when you have like a week in between the shows like not in a not in a bingeable format the way yeah. Netflix has so yeah 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 um I do want to draw attention to Jim Parsons mm-hmm. in the series I think that as a villain he was so delicious in this and he like his moment of the caftan dance like the dance yes. of the veil like problematic but also speaks so um I, I don't know it it was just he just kind of like slid into that evil so well and that like manipulative hollywood dick of just you know being that sexual predator and like pulling all of the strings and um Ooh, it was like a really strong performance from him. Yeah, he he did. He specifically did a really great job. Um, I thought that the younger cast members who, you know, the series kind of centers around, um, I thought that they, you know, did well and held, held their own. But, you know, Jim Parsons was giving you like this masterclass in how to uh, just slide into evil. Exactly. How to slide into this, this, um, this very sinister character. Yeah. And also Joe Mantello did an amazing job in this as well. Um just there were some really really great performances. Holland Taylor gave amazing performance. There were just really really lovely moments. So, I mean, overall, really strong performances. I think the writing and the subject matter flawed, but you know, enjoyable, yeah. fluff. Yeah. You know, not life changing. It was or nice. Anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, have you so? <laughs> have you ever? Never have I ever. Did you see Never Have I Ever on Netflix? Um, I started the first episode based on your, this is based on your recommendation. And I have to say that like, it is exactly what, (laughs) it was exactly what I thought it was going to be in the good Uh way. You know, like it was, it's just like, ah, where, where was this version of this story for me? Right. Yeah. And this series has appeared on a ton of lists this mm-hmm. past month as far as like must watch bingeable TV um, for the representation, but also for the content matter. Um, and that it just being that it deals with so many different things. And you haven't watched the whole series yet. So I don't want to get into like no. yeah, yeah. episodic and things like that. But the character work on this show is great. The costume design on this show. Mm hmm is phenomenal um and mindy kaling's writing is so smart it's just Mm -hmm. always really smart writing um there is one character i wanted to talk to you about though and if you haven't seen the whole series then i'll i'll hold off but um anything you want to highlight i will i mean i think for a series that is so so woke without that being the focus of the show um there is one character who is like the trope fat kid in school Mm -hmm. and that was and someone else my best friend pointed that out to me too she was like how did you feel about that one character and i was like you know i'm so glad you said that because that was the only thing about the series that really bothered me was that for a series that is so smart Mm -hmm. i wanted that to also be treated better you know yeah, to come correct yeah 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 um well you know Mindy Kaling can do no wrong so i know 
Of course, of course. But I mean, it's totally bingeable. Yeah. It's, you know, half hour episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's Mindy just, Kaling is supposed to um, write, I think she's writing Legally Blonde 3. She is. Yeah. yeah. I'm here for it. I love Mindy Kaling. If, if for anything else, every Christmas she posts a wreath witherspoon on her door. That, that's probably and she's why. she's like a Christmas wreath with all pictures of Reese Witherspoon on it. And I just, it's my favorite. It's real good. Uh, I wonder. That's probably what got her the job. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, that and they did, you know, Wrinkle in Time together also. That's true, yes. With Oprah, so who knows. Um, let's talk about the Obamas for a quick sec. I watched Becoming on Netflix, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which we have on this podcast extensively talked about that book, Michelle Obama's beautifully written memoir. And I can't objectively talk about that book because she's a hero and a queen and we love her. Um, But that book is just so perfect and stunning. And so this movie was uh, a really beautifully done documentary about her book tour. And her book tour was not simply a series of book signings. It was an arena tour um, coordinated around the country with several different moderators of like different races, genders, ages, um, and ethnicities. And it was so exciting to see just kind of like the scope of mm-hmm. how huge that book tour was, but also her reach as Michelle Obama, as the forever first lady, she is still doing the work, you know, and she is still putting it out there and she is still connected with young people in every single city she goes to. So within the first five minutes of this documentary, you're just weeping and you're just longing for a happier time. And Uh it's just, so again, it's like, you know, when I watch things like that, I'm a little fearful of like, Oh, is this going to be like PTSD? Is this going to be hard to watch? But it's not. It's so celebratory and lovely and warm and good. And yes, it makes us long for the happier times that we were so blessed to have. But but it's also like it makes us grateful to have had those times, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so speaking of the Obamas. Yeah. There was the Obama virtues. The Obamas were like, fine. This current administration doesn't give a shit about education deuces, double birds. Here we go. And so they organized all of the graduations. You want to talk about it? So the, yeah, the Obama virtual graduations, I mean, I commence, what is it? Commencement, 2020 commencement, high school commencement, graduation, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's the official name, um, you know, but we're going to be calling it uh, the Obama's virtual graduations Mm -hmm. Um, in, in conjunction with, I believe, LeBron James, right? Yes, um, LeBron James organized this because LeBron James also founded his school as well mm-hmm. for young men in leadership um, in his own city. And so like he and I posted this on Facebook, but LeBron James has like single handedly done more for education, specifically young black education uh, in this country than than the current administration has done, you know. Mm-hmm. 
No, absolutely. And so what this uh, virtual commencement ceremony was, was a chance to not only celebrate uh, the graduating seniors, high school seniors, um, but also to, you know, give them some inspiration. And again, this is, it's, it's, I watched it out of sheer curiosity because it's like, how are you going to have a commencement that's supposed to be a commencement for everybody, but at the same time, you know, like what, what can you say? Because yeah. we all that, you know, that kind of uh, dangling thing above all of our heads, like we all know the reason why we, we are watching this and can't have the real quote unquote commencement. Yeah. So it was nice. It had musical performances and it also had like inspirational words and speeches. I really enjoyed how they um, did get uh, students from across from high schools across the nation yeah. to do like their little intros uh, for the different speakers and segments, um, culminating, of course, in a um, in a lovely speech by uh, uh, President Obama at the end. Um and it was nice because it was very hopeful. You know, it's 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 very hopeful. Um, they I, they were like, join us at the after party on TikTok, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, I'm like, this is definitely not for me. This is for the children. But um, yeah, it was really great. And like, I think what. Um, like what got me was like at the very beginning where it's like, and now we will sing the national anthem. And then they had this like virtual choir of like these kids, all of Yo. these choir kids. Uh, and, yeah. Oh, uh, like just, you know, and they were all in like what caps and gowns and, you know, you can see their earbuds in looking at their zoom camera in the, in I their zoom like, camera. talk about it. I know <laughs> it was like, yeah, no, it was, it was it's a like lot. A it, screens. Oh God, it was mm-hmm. so beautifully produced and so beautifully done. Um, and they did so in a way that all of the celebrity segments were filmed like individually in a studio with a green screen um, so that it was really well produced. Yeah. And anything being done for this graduating class needs to be really well produced because they're being so shortchanged and it's really, really difficult. Um, the... Earlier that day, also that morning, uh, President Obama hosted an event called Show Me Your Walk, and it was for the, uh, or Show Us Your Walk, something to that effect, for the uh, HBCUs, specifically. Mm -hmm. And then later in June, there is going to be another graduation ceremony. Um, Michelle Obama is hosting a virtual prom on MTV in June, sometime like next week, I think next Mm -hmm. weekend. And Obama's doing another formal, I think, college graduation for uh, our college graduates, sometimes first-generation college students graduating, things like that. You know, these are giant, momentous life events that can't be celebrated right now. And in a time where our government is turning a blind eye to the hope of the next generation, um, it's just so nice to have the Obamas, (laughs) like, taking the mantle on that, you know, and making sure that we still feel held and celebrated. So I'm going to stop crying now. That'd be great. Yeah. It's in a very, (laughs) it's a very specific and a very intentional way um, that they're doing it because, and, you know, again, this is also the same month where um, audio, audio footage was released of uh, 
President Obama basically, you know, critiquing the current administration and their response to the virus. And yeah. so it's interesting because like that comes out, that gets leaked. And um, it's not um, it's not the thing that you're supposed to do when you're a former president is, you know, you want to give that much space. And and as much as, you know, people are like, where are the Obamas um, at the same time? Like, you know, their 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 responses are very intentional. Their responses are very calculated. And it again, like you said, it holds us in the way that we need to be held, that we can't be held by, because their job is no longer to govern anymore. Like their yeah. job is to, you know, is to guide. They, can still, yeah. they can still provide um, that hope and that, and that guidance and some of that direction. So mm -hmm. definitely. Oh, well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And mm -hmm. I, I almost wanted to put this like kind of in our comfort viewing segment, but I didn't because it was new and it was definitely something that happened in May. So um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the big flower fight on Netflix. Okay. okay. This show has all of the following things. Ready? Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Okay. This show has British people. It has <laughs> it has a greenhouse. Mm -hmm. It has witty, snarky hosts. It has a big old queen host. It has really hot men who are competing. So you need to get in this. So competitive and hot men. Okay. Competitive hot men working with their hands in flowers. So it is like the Great British Baking Show but with flowers. So every week there's a floral challenge and it's like they make giant flower sculptures and like there are challenges with grasses and with cut flowers and with live flowers and um, garden installations and things like that. And they're so cool. And again, it's like, it's like when you watch the great British, British baking show and the contestants are also in love with each other and just so supportive mm -hmm. of each other. It is like that with flowers. So imagine that like cake feels comforting. So does flowers. <laughs> flowers also feels comforting. Flowers with British people who are hot and charming, making really cool sculpture dresses out of live flowers. I am here for that. I'm really here for that. That was definitely like, comforting. That sounds very comforting. It is so comforting. I watched like, I tuned in to watch like one episode. And then eight hours later, I was watching the finale. <laughs> I was like, I just got so lost in it. And it was mm -hmm. also the kind of thing where like, I may have nodded off and taken a nap in the middle of one of the episodes. Didn't matter because I kept going, kept watching the next episode and it was fine. But there are some really cool sculptures. Like one of them made this whole like dinosaur T-Rex coming out of the ground, out of flowers and yeah. bamboo and stuff. It's, it's gorgeous. And so okay. it's just beautiful things as told by beautiful British people. And, you know, you feel like they're your best friends and it's fun and lovely. Awesome. And see, yeah, my, my, my recent British show that I've been watching is, yeah. um, Nadia's time to eat, oh, which is, tell me about that. 
so Nadia's time to eat is a um it's a it's a cooking show on Netflix um starring Nadia Hussein as the presenter and Nadia Hussein famously won the British baking the British Bake Off in 2015 and she's a um a UK Muslim Brit like she had yes. like yeah, yeah, yeah. a job and everything and she, so her whole thing she's kind of like the what I wish like Rachel Ray was like she's mm. this she has like three kids and is a mom and a wife. And she's like, you know, I, my philosophy is that you need to spend as less time in the kitchen so that way you can spend more time with your family. And so all her recipes are like, it takes 10 minutes to prepare and 20 minutes to cook, but it's delicious. And she shows you how to make like all of this great food, but using like a lot of shortcuts, using a lot of cheats, uh, pantry mm. staples. And she uses a lot of like, uh, pow- uh, like granulated garlic and powdered onion, mm. but it's also a super British show because she, tr- she models it off of what like the average British family would have in their pantry. Nice. And then she goes and shows. So the, Three, there's f- the three different segments the segments where she's in her kitchen cooking then she goes and she finds like some like british person who doesn't have time to make like lunch or dinner or a cake for their partner yes and then she helps them like make something uh you know make something fun and <laughs> and delicious and then she goes to like a factory where she shows like where the food comes from so, comforting so, like, very come and it's so and she has this beautiful voice and it's like she went to like a she made uh falafel sandwiches out of um out of like british like the heinz baked beans oh my and then she went to the baked bean factory where they make it and was and then gave them some of the falafel sandwiches and that just sounds charming and delightful I know. And she still, she has, um, she does have like her covering, her head covering. Mm -hmm. So it's great when like, she's walking into these places where she has to wear like a hard hat and she has like this like hard hat that's kind of like safely affixed on her head. Yeah. And, and seeing all of these people be so warm and loving to like, I mean, so warm and loving to like a Muslim woman is just my, is all my jam. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yay. I love this. I made her savory French toast that she um, that she did on the show. Um, How did and, that go? Oh, it was so good! It was like um, I made it with uh, exactly everything that she had, and it has like turmeric in it, which uh-huh. I was a little hesitant about, but I kept, I, I, I kept it in. Um, but yeah, she yeah, it's a good show. Um, again, British, like warm, comforting. Okay. Huzzah. I love that. Let's um, switch gears a little bit and tell me a little bit about Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Oh, goodness. Well, (laughs) I mean, also, also, we should point out that we are maybe nearing the end of very soon, kind of maybe coming up on the end of our um, uh, programming, like, yes, produced programming, right? Oh yeah, we're we're coming up on the um, we're about to enter uh, new territory as far as like there being a potential. Hold on, Joe and I are facetiming. We're just going to keep this in here because we are facetiming each other, and then we lost the connection. Are you there? 
I'm still here. Hold on. Why aren't hold you on, picking hold, up? Hold on, hold on, because I'm I'm I have to call you because I'm on my I'm on my iPad, so I have to call you. It says FaceTime is unavailable. I need to see your face while we talk about bad TV. There you are. You're FaceTiming me. Hi, gorgeous there. queen. Hi. Hey. Oh gosh, what happened? I don't know. I don't know what happened, oh but God. all of a sudden I lost you. Okay. Skirt. Okay. Back it up. Back Let's it up. Talk, all we're, right. we're reaching the end of original programming, really, because studios yeah. are about to run out of content that they have filmed before everybody went into quarantine. So that being said, tell me about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. So Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is a um, musical program uh, on We talked NBC. a little bit about this last month, right? Yes, we did. But I finally finished it because all the episodes it. were out. I finally finished it. Uh-huh. And basically what it's about is it's a, it's a woman named Zoe who is a computer programmer in uh, techie, in fun swinging techie San Francisco. Okay. And um, she gets um, through funny circumstance. She gets a um, an MRI, and somehow in, so an earthquake happens during the MRI, and so all of like Spotify goes into her head, and she gets this special power where she can um, hear people's internal monologues, but through song. And she's not a person, she's very science oriented and she's not a person who knows much music. So she doesn't immediately pick up what the meaning of the different songs are, but she is able to hear people do their, um, do their internal monologues and their secret, she she calls them their heart songs. And she, um, and it's so funny because like, she is like people are dancing and all doing all of this like really intricate choreography um it's choreographed by mandy moore who is the choreographer on dancing with the stars so there's your glitter sports connection um and what's interesting about the whole thing is um that and it was interesting about the whole thing is the idea that like no one can hear her and everyone just sings like Skylar Aston's in it. You got a really, you got some really cool moments with Alex Newell who plays her next door neighbor and the way that they handle stuff with him, because it's just like, you know, it, him and his like personal journey of like sexuality and gender identity and all the stuff with him is really interesting. Um, musical performances, you can take them or leave them. The dancing is probably what I'm most here for because it's all this really fun choreography. Um, but the, the most, the, 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 the thing that's the most heartwarming about the whole uh, series is that in this first season, her father has this disease where he, um, can't, uh, he can't speak. He, he is like aware. Yes, and we're there back on go. Peter Gallagher. Circle. We are back to Peter. Here you go. Exactly. And so here we are with Peter Gallagher once more, where he is like just basically he was got he got paid to sit there for most of the thing for most of the um the series, but you um she's able to at least know what he's thinking because he will sing things to her and and that's how she he communicates to the their special power. Peter Gallagher, I think he keeps his power in his eyebrows. Yes, and he there's a lot of eyebrows in this one. It's All Peter right. Gallagher and Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> Ooh, so much eyebrow. All and right. they play florists. 
They play landscapers, professional no! landscapers. This episode is so connected. Yes. We are hitting on so many levels today. What in the fuck? I love it. Um, I'm going to post to our Instagram a picture of Peter Gallagher. Just so that, you know. I, I agree. We need Peter like, Gallagher, like, then and Peter Gallagher now. By the power of Peter's eyebrows, here we go. I love it. I'm here <laughs> for it. So, here for it. Um, I want to talk a little bit, well, not a little bit, a lot of bit, about RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, uh, we have near the end of the season, and now at the end of the season, they had to do the reunions show and the finale remotely. So tell me where you're at in the season. Are you all caught up? Where are you at? Um, I don't, I have not seen the final episode, but I have, uh, but I do know who, go- I do know who wins. Okay. Uh, so this is massive. I did see the reunion. Okay. Cool. And I have, I, I have, I actually really liked this reunion. I thought it was my favorite I reunion. So I, I was really nervous about how this was going to go down remotely because the reunion specials and the finales have become such a cultural event with RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and they are so, they are like all out, like giant, big, big, big events. Um, and so to do that remotely, I was like, huh, is it going to look shitty? Is it going to look like a Zoom call? I'm so tired of seeing Zoom screens. What the hell? You know, um, it was so well produced. The reunion show was so well done. Um, and so shout out to the crews that set them up and everybody like making sure that like that was produced to the high heavens. And I was like, if this finale is not covered in glitter and produced within an inch of its life. And it is, it was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It was really, really well done. And they had the benefit of like, you know, again, when this, the season was into maybe what, two, three weeks in when, when everyone started to go into the isolation. So um, they had like this benefit of like, okay, everything's getting canceled. What are we going to do? How can we still do it? And then, learning also from how other people had done it. And so I thought it was really, really great um, to one, also see all the Queens in their like elements, like whatever yeah. apartments they were houses, apartments that they were in. I, I felt like they, I felt like it had such a really a joyful, like it was a joyful thing as opposed to, because it's the whole season has been like, had this awful pall on it with, you know, with Sherry Pie. Pie. If anything, I feel like doing this remotely was this kind of beautiful erasure of that, you know, in that we didn't have to pretend she wasn't there, you know, whereas the whole season they were working so hard to edit her out of episodes that when she did pop up in episodes, it was like so distracting and awful. Um, So they really approached the reunion and the finale with like – a lot of grace and to the point that like, you know, we, we kind of forgot about that whole mess. Yeah, absolutely. Who were you rooting for in the finale? Um, well, I mean, I I really wanted to, I really was hoping that they would bring Jackie Cox back for, to kind of round out. But I mean, if you, someone had to go anyway, there's going to be a final three. And with the circumstances as they were, I mean, if we had a live finale, probably that'd be one thing, Uh but we didn't. So, you know, the fewer episodes that they can produce like this, the better. Mm -hmm. So I, 
I don't know. I was like rooting for each of them because each queen had like a storyline and had um, a point of view and had a, and had a real journey on this season. It was very difficult to, um, is very difficult. I initially did not want, we're just going to, so if you haven't seen it, just get over it. Like we're going to tell you right now. So I wasn't, I was not on, I was not a fan of Jada, (laughs) of Jada Essence Hall from the beginning, uh, in the very beginning, I was, a G- I was on the Gigi good train, but then as like you watch the series, watch the seasons and you, you know, week after week, you see the growth and you see the versatility because she, yeah. like, she explicitly is one of those Queens that comes from the pageant world. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, you know, pageant Queens don't usually do well on this show. It like pure pageant Queens who have no other tricks. And she pulled out everything and she really did. Yeah, she performed. So I'm actually very satisfied. Yeah, she really grew in this competition. She did really, really well. I did not really enjoy Crystal Method at first, but by the end of the season, I was rooting for her so hard, and I knew she wasn't going to win because last year it was Evie Oddly, and like you know, I don't feel like Rue selects like two weirdos in a row, you know, mm-hmm. like the oh. weirdo queens, and so. um so I kind of knew it wasn't going to be Crystal Method, but I was so here for her debarge look the whole time. I was so mm-hmm. here when she really started to own her quirk, you know, when she owned it with like the Burton Ernie look and, you know, the purple weird cow thing and like just so good, just so good and always kind and always positive and just really lovely. And I'm here for her. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And Gigi, you know, like Gigi and Crystal will probably end up on the on another All Stars in the I'm future. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I will say, Gigi Good did one of the sickest lip syncs ever in the finale. And, oh well, it's it's, ha- it's going to happen. Soon. Well, they did in the finale, and I'll tell you this: you haven't seen it yet, but whatever. I'm going to ruin it for you, Josephine, because you already know. Do it. Okay. So they do a three way like close up tight shot lip sync. Ooh, okay. So, like, that's the first lip sync where they all go up against each other, like, in a three-way split screen. Uh, mm-hmm. So you see how tight their sync is, right? Um, and that's to one of RuPaul's songs. And then they do three additional uh, individual lip syncs <laughs> that um, each girl basically coordinates her own music video, per se. Like, so they got to choose their own song and go for it. So I will say that in that moment, Gigi Good did AHA's take on me. And she created a whole, like, comic book graphic sketch background and did the whole thing in, like, black and white. And it was pretty phenomenal. Wow. It was pretty incredible. I know. And then there was a final lip sync wherein the the girls all had the same like background. So they all had like the same like shimmer background and the three mm-hmm. of them had to um, lip sync to Destiny's Child together. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, yes. That was the final lip sync. Um, but yeah, all just, I mean, really good. It was a good time. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, I'm that I know what I'm doing later. Yeah, you should be. I also need to get caught up. I'm a few episodes behind on We're Here. 
but mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. I'm like really in the need of some feel good content right now because the world is on fire, and so I really want to see some like good queens bringing joy into communities and and all that. So I feel like and the like drag race dealing with really yesterday. And like really like dealing with uh, racism and prejudice in a very like thoughtful and <laughs> in a very thoughtful and um, intentional way, right? So, yeah, definitely. Um, tell me a little bit about how The Voice did their live shows. Yeah, so we're all- <sighs> World of Dance. I don't watch that show though. I never have. No, I mean, I do love J-Lo and I do love me some Derek Hough and Neo, but I don't... But my dancing shows are very strictly limited to So You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with, and the, dance stars. with the Stars. Exactly. Those and that's the only reason why... I... Yeah. There it is. Yeah. So again, we're in the middle of like, where the impending like entertainment drought that's about to mm-hmm. happen. At least the stuff that's not going to be like on Zoom or filmed in at someone's home or whatever. And um, I remember... I remember like it was a night when I didn't think like I was like, okay, what's going to come on after Jeopardy? (laughs) And um, it was the voice and it was the first like live show coming like after the, because they, they had been airing like all of the knockout rounds and then they go to the live shows. And that's usually when, you know, everyone comes back from, you know, the, whenever they did the original shows. And this one was interesting because like it was Carson Daly in his, in the studio by himself all of the ca- and they showed the cameras they had all the crew like you know 6 feet apart from each other but he was there as kind of the host moderator and all of the judges were in their homes mm-hmm. so you got to see or at least in like the backgrounds that they got people um they got to see and were the and contestants in their homes the contestants were also in their homes so okay. the interesting thing about this was that it was very similar it was the the graduation obama's virtual graduation was more was better produced i felt mm-hmm. because they also had the benefit of being in like an empty studio with a green screen yeah. these contestants were in their homes and they actually showed this on um they showed this on uh, the show what um, they how the producers sent them all equipment to use yeah. and to set up. And we're talking like lights and microphones and everything. They sent them all the equipment. They sent them guides, including the judges. And they all figured out how to do um, how to basically set these things up. Yeah. And um, they performed all of their like live songs at their homes with lighting and everything obviously you know the 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 sound like the um the backing tracks it's a track so it's not a live band but i mean it was actually pretty great like i i I was actually really it was interesting because like this it showed that there was still this uh level of continuity that could happen i mean it's not the same as like you know singing and then there's a live audience back there and then every now and then you had that moment where you realize that you are watching people on a zoom call or at least for them it was microsoft teams Uh where they're like you know talking over each other accidentally because of the delays or like uh, carson's like i have to cut you off because we're live and yeah and you know we can't make it But I mean, they did the best that they could. And what was also cool was like these, these people got to be in their homes and they had their families with them. So like they, you could see like their families that were there, like supporting them, who are also the people that they just happened to be quarantining with Mm -hmm. um, are like right there. And it's like, okay, you're moving on. And then the families were like, yeah, 
So from the next yeah. room. Yeah. Yeah. I will mention this because this is not the voice, but I'll mention that like I did happen to catch um, a little bit of like it was on in the background, the blacklist, uh, which is that uh, James Spader like crime show, uh, mm-hmm. uh, crime procedural show. And the blacklist, because they, you know, it takes place in all these locations and they weren't able to finish it. It was like cartoon, like they animated it. And so they finished the. I think they finished the series that way because they weren't able to finish the show. So you hear, you can hear like James Spader's voice and over, but like everything is like animated, almost like it would be like a visual storyboard. Uh And so I thought, I thought that was really interesting as well. Wow. Also again, like uh aha's take on me. Yes. There you go. See it full circle. We are firing on so many levels right now. Um, let's talk a little bit about Lady Gaga. She is back. Oh, Lady Gaga. Um, Lady Gaga. Um, so Chromatica is the new Lady Gaga album. Uh, and, you know, the gays have been wanting this album for a long time. She, she was supposed to release it sooner, like in April. And then delayed it till June. And then was like, no, we'll give it to you in May. Um, and there were several leaks of the album. So a lot of people have heard the music already, but, um, what I want to talk about specifically is like in anticipation of the album, um, she released a dance song with, um, with a duet with Ariana Grande called rain on me. And like, it is glitter and poppers. It is like, it is just like the gay song of the summer. It is in my in my humble opinion, it is what na- nails, hair, hips, heels was for last summer. Oh, it's be your for summer bop. It's the summer bop, and like all the gays were doing, like gay Twitter was on fire when I it was know. released. It's a good song. Like I rem- yeah. I'm just like, oh my god, I would, I what I wouldn't give to like be like driving to work right now and just blasting this with the windows rolled down. Um, so yeah, so. Love. One day. One day, very soon. I mean, I'm I'm fine working from home, but you know, yeah. I do want to be, uh, I do want to be top down in the car one day with this song. Also, like you know, we're in in anticipation of like Pride Month. This is a perfect song that like you're gonna hear at all of the gay clubs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. Um. Well, we're gonna move on to a segment called "We Heard About It." <laughs> Yeah, we heard about it. We heard about it, but we haven't watched it yet. (laughs) Um, And so on this, we have um, A Secret Love on Netflix, Mm -hmm. which is about old lesbians. Yes. Do you want to tell us about it in your gay corner? It's uh, it's baseball lesbians. Um, it is these, baseball. This, oh, is it baseball lesbians? It is baseball lesbians. They were on one of the teams that like the did the peaches? the Rockford Peaches. Like we are the members of. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! The All American League. We come from cities near and far. Oh my goodness! Um, oh, I didn't realize yes. they were baseball lesbians. Yes, they were baseball lesbians, but and they so, were like very secret lesbians. Yes, they were secret lesbian lovers. A secret love. Yes, can you imagine if they were out and proud, like in in in, <laughs> in World War Two? 
Yeah. In World War II. Yes, this is uh this is basically uh that would be that's season two of Hollywood is yeah. just the lesbians, well, but they're I out mean, and proud. The thing is we don't want to knock that. I mean, there were obviously gay couples in World War II, and there are gay couples documented throughout history. Um mm-hmm. but this movie specifically is about this one couple who like for their entire lives pretended they were friends and roommates and like very late in life from my understanding, very late in life revealed to their family that like, no, they've been in love and they've been together their entire lives. They have been, they have been uh, together the entire time, but it also just goes to show like the lengths of like a family um, again. And we have not seen it. Neither. (laughs) I have not seen this. Neither of us Uh, have seen it. We have only heard about it. Only heard about it. But like, it's, it's one of the, what this, um, documentary says to me, at least from the trailers that I've seen, is it, it's it's very apparent because that's kind of the world that I came from, where it's like it's very obvious that these two people are together, but like we're not gonna like tell, like we're not gonna say that. Oh, it's because like we approve, but we also don't want to verbally approve. Like we're not gonna say, "How's your wife? How's your husband?" Yeah. It's like, "How's Anne? You know, <laughs> how's Brian? Whatever." Yeah. So. I'm I'm anxious to watch this. Uh, not anxious, but like I'm very curious to watch this, and it'll probably be a part of my um, like Pride Month viewing. Same. I was just going to say that there's a lot that and uh, the Circus of Books. Circus of Books as well. I so I want to kind of include that in my Pride viewing. So maybe we'll do like a Pride segment next month as well about yeah all the gay content could, and gay corners. Just be the gay month that. long. It'll be the gayest corner ever, making up for the fact that it was like, you know, very heterosexual last month for me. Mm -hmm. The whole gay month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Also, things that we heard about but did not partake in at all Mm -hmm. um, are The Lovebirds. Wasn't it released? um, It was released in theaters. Um, It was supposed to be released in theaters. Okay, so instead of going to like release for rent or purchase, it went straight to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And this is yes. Issa Rae and Camille Nanjiani. And yes. so, um, and of course the two of them are insanely smart and they're both writers and, and all of that. And they put together this like uh, crime drama, romantic comedy from what mm-hmm. I, again, crime. from what I understand because we have exactly. only heard about it, <laughs> but um, people have been saying really good things about it though. Yeah. Yes, they have. Um, and it's, it's been one of the, um, it's been interesting because like it was it was anticipated to be released in in theaters mm-hmm. quarantine corona happens it gets shelved but then netflix takes it over to release mm-hmm. it anyway because it was already there yeah. um and again like you have <laughs> you have like romantic in a romantic lead right you have Issa Rae and yeah. Camille Nanjiani you have a black woman and an asian like pakistani asian man <laughs> who are there yeah. um and and it's so fascinating to me, like, you know, this is the time we're living in. Because, like, Camille and Gianni is also, like, about to blow up. He's going to be in a Marvel movie that's going to be released yeah. soon and, you know, yeah. all of this stuff. He's having a moment. Um, he's having a fine as hell moment, too. Right he's now. having, yes, he's also having a very oh, fine as hell moment. Um, but you have, you know, these these two there. I have heard that it's not, like it's nothing that's groundbreaking and it's very much like, you know, people are, 
it's very much a comedy that sure. like anyone can do. But again, like I will take a I will we take need a comedy that candy right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. I'll take that right now. I will. I would much rather watch The Lovebirds with a black woman and a Pakistani man than, like, you know, date night with two whites. I was just gonna say it reads. I mean, the previews to me look very much like date night, and yeah. that was Tina Fey and was that Steve Carell? Steve Carell, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it feels the previews alone seem like you know the modern day date night. But again, we've only heard about it. So we don't know. <laughs> um, um, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe we will one day, but we heard about it. Mm-hmm. So if you're curious and you've watched it, hey, let us know. Um, I want to talk a little bit also, another thing we've heard about, and I do want to watch this very, very much so, um, is How to Build a Girl uh, with Beanie Feldstein. And again, this was something that was going to be released in theaters and it was, it was really anticipated um, from like Sundance and all that. Uh, it was based on the book by, um, hold up. What is her, uh, Caitlin Moran wrote the book. Um, and it was like a best selling novel and all of that. And Beanie Feldstein is in it. And I feel like she can just do no wrong in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so Beanie Feldstein from Booksmart and all of that, uh, and Lady Bird and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw this on, because uh, occasionally I'll just go onto like iTunes, uh, the movie store on my uh, Apple TV, and I'll, and I'll like watch trailers and I was like, Oh, it's Beanie Feldstein with red hair. Uh, and British. <laughs> and British. That looks and so British. much fun. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I'm like, okay, you know, I, that looks like a fun thing. I mean, I, I love me a Beanie Feldstein. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, how funny that right now, as we're recording this and we're recording things that we heard about, mm-hmm. um, we just got a text from our dear friend, Courtney Corey, who was one of the artists Yay. that we spotted. And she said, this is straight from a listener. Here you go. Listen, Sevens, all of you know us. You all have one yeah. of our numbers. So you can text us at any time with your recommendations. Um, Courtney said, please watch Central Park on Apple TV for a good pick-me-up. It is brilliant and lovely and silly and all the things. There you go. I love it. Thanks, Courtney. Corey, we'll take you up on that. And that I love is it. on I love Apple it. I love it. TV. So there you go. Um, let's talk about our homework. Did we do homework? Did we not do homework? Um, I what did homework. homework. What was the homework that I gave you that you did? Go. I did. I watched season two of Shrill. Finally. And your thoughts? Finally. It was, I loved everything with Fran. You were right. I told you she got some good moments. You were so right about that. She she had that whole thing. And like, just like the whole, like, you know, Fran is Nigerian British thing. And I was like, yes. And they addressed some of the stuff with the mom, which I thought was really cool. I like that they added more depth to, um, they added more depth to uh, John Cameron Mitchell's character uh-huh. and, um, and like, you know, hot, hot work friend is now like a boss. Uh-huh. And, yeah. It was all very good. I still like all said and done. I don't care for the boyfriend. No. Um, and at the end of the series, like 
she grew apart from him too. You exactly. Know? And, and it was just like, it was so interesting. Cause like, I'm like, they really are trying to make me like him, but I can't, I can't, <laughs> I but just that's can't. The thing though, is that she was trying to make her like him too. Mm-hmm. You know, like she was trying for so long to make that work because that's what she thought she deserved. So by the end of the season, She's realizing like, no, fuck this. I deserve better than this. I'm not settling Mm -hmm. for you, right? So even though we see that, yeah, he's a good guy. He's all right. He's a mediocre guy. He's all right. But she deserves more. And that's Mm -hmm. what's gorgeous about that series. I did also, I think my favorite episode was uh, Women Are Having a Moment Conference. Because yes, yeah, well, I mean, it had Matt Rogers, which I who I love, and Vanessa Bayer, who I love, Greta mm-hmm. Teitelman, who I love, all these people like in the periphery who I love. But what I I think what I really enjoyed about it was the was the fact that like it did explore that like complicated nature of like you know what a boss bitch is that whole yeah. like, you know it's just like yes we it's very corporate and capitalist based, but at the same time, like you are empowering. There are women who are actually coming here and leaving inspired. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do with that? Oh God, it's so good. I want to rewatch that whole series all over again. So good. Maybe that'll be also another comfort viewing. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe. Um, So now I have homework. I want to follow up on a homework assignment that I gave you because I have not done the homework assignment you gave me. I have not watched One Day at a Time yet, the new season on now. Mm. But I'm going to. You said that they're at their like mid season break. It's right mid season, so there's like seven episodes, so you're fine. If you want to knock it out, like, you know, yeah. if you want to make yourself that. a Cuban sandwich and you know. I yeah. yeah. I could do that. Have you watched Shit's Creek yet? No. So okay. I haven't done this yet. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, new to art time of the month is a homework segment. <laughs> we have homework. Did they do it? Did they not? Who knows? There it is. We don't really hold each other accountable in any way, shape, or form, and we're totally fine with that. It's okay. <laughs> what, what what I do love with the homework is that you know when you are finally able to send the text to your co-host and be like, "I did watch this," <laughs> and then it's like, "Yeah, and you did like validation in that." You're like, "Yes." Finally, yes. we can talk about it. Yeah, we really can cool. talk about it. This is a whole area of culture that you are in the dark about. Welcome to the light. <laughs> yes, I love it. All right. And finally, for our final, final fun segment, the people who made me watching with parents. What have you watched with your parents? Um, so I forget when it was. Maybe it was, oh, it was Mother's Day. Oh, my God. That's right. It was on Mother's Day. <laughs> And we're getting ready to have like our Mother's Day meal. And I was like, here, mom, let's watch this. And um, I put on Cooking with Cannabis on Netflix. (laughs) And like, to give you some background, my mother is a retired forensic scientist who like, you know, used to do like anti-drug presentations, you know, at like carnivals and things. She was like not specifically dare, but like you know she would. She stand for like drug awareness. Drugs are really evil. I don't know. But there was so, like a dog involved, or something. There was like a mascot of dare. It was, it was like a mascot, and yeah. there was like a red, and it looked really like it was like trying to be really hard, but like the the was logo that, was and. That like- McGruff, that was like a fire safety thing too. I don't know. Anyway. McGruff was crime. McGruff uh, was crime. Smokey, 
Smokey the Bear was um, fire safety. Fire prevention safety, yeah. And but then, then Dare had a lion. There was like a lion that was the you. Dare lion. I knew there was an animal associated with Dare. There has to be an animal for people to it like it. There has to be an um, animal in order for a child to pay attention to what you're saying. And so I was, I'm like, let's watch. I don't know why on Mother's Day. I was like, let's watch this, Mom. And we <laughs> did. And it was just like fascinating. So Cook for, Cooking with Cannabis is a show, is a cooking competition show on Netflix that's specifically about cooking chefs who like use cannabis-laced like food but like cuisine um mm. and they had different challenges and um it's the co one of the co i don't know who the other guy is who's apparently just get like ripped when they're eating this and tasting it well like they they say that like okay here you have this defined amount of cannabis that you can use for the entire meal okay. um per per contestant but like they also make them like you know they're serving them a three course meal times three so mm -hmm. these are like nine dishes of like cannabis related stuff mm -hmm. and i don't know who the other guy is who's like this very kind of loud like He's very loud, very like Newport Beach, Venice Beach type of guy with big of glasses. Of course. Um, but you, all you need to know is that the head judge is Khalees. Oh, all <laughs> He's right. A milkshake, bring all the boys That's to the yard. Right. Of Nas marriage. Of, of the Nas, Nas marriage. marriage. Got it. So like she, you know, again, for those who don't know, who only know Khalees as Milkshake Brings All the Boys to the Yard, she um, had like this kind of second act as a chef and she released a bunch, of, she released a few cookbooks and her specialty as of late. Yeah. So she, she's this like, you know, she has all these really good cookbooks. She actually has like, there, she has a really great recipe for a Khalees's milkshake. Um, right. It has like alcohol in it. It's great. Um but like she also is a cannabis chef. And so what's interesting is that you have um, on this show, I've seen like probably some of the, like one of the oldest contestants that I've ever seen on a cooking show in the last um, ever. I, I can't even remember last time they, a cooking show had a person this old. Um, and I say that not as a ding, but specifically because people have been, um, people have been using cannabis in cooking and not just like edibles, not just baking or confectionery, but like in actual um, like cuisine. Like exactly. Right? Exactly. And it's interesting to hear. Management, all that. And for cannabis, exactly. cooking with cannabis doesn't necessarily make you high either unless you're using like THC, right? So they, so they have like their pantry, which is mm -hmm. just like, like this little dome of like weed, it has everything that you can think of. So one of the things that they do in the show is that they are, there's um, a section of the show where they show them like, Hey, everyone came in an hour before we recorded or the yesterday for an hour to prepare all of their ingredients. And so okay. what they do there is they like, that's where they infuse their honey or their butter or their oil with the THC or CBD. Mm -hmm. And then every dish they have to say, Oh yeah, this is they, it has to work in harmony with each other. So some people mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to hit you with most of the THC. Like, you know, I'm going to hit you with these many milligrams of THC in the very beginning in the first dish. And then I'm going to mellow you out with a dessert. It's going to have mostly CBD at the oh, end. Oh, I want to watch this too. Oh, I think you would I, I think it's you would love delightful it. Delightful and British. No, it's not British, no. It's not British. It's very American. <laughs> and and you can also see like they have the guests that come on. So they have the two main judges and mm -hmm. then they have like their little gallery of people sitting at like a dinner table that they that are also eating the food uh -huh. and they're all like very famous potheads. Like it's Ricky Lake, it's sure. Michael Rapp. 
Rappaport. Sure. It's John Sally. Sure. Like, Love it. It's, it's okay, all these so people. Now the burning question is this. Mm-hmm. Is your mom a famous pothead now? No. What did mom <laughs> think about? <laughs> I think she was just like, I think it was very, I think it was very interesting because she was just like looking at this, like just in complete shock the entire mm-hmm. time because <laughs> they're like on a net, like this is like a Netflix, like very, very well produced, like big yeah. budget production. Okay. They had like, they had like nugs in like jars as decoration. And one of the guests took it, took it down and was like, is that real weed? I'm like, yeah, this is real weed. So like, there's like millions, like maybe thousands at least dollars of you know marijuana in uh, cannabis in this and it was just so fascinating to see like people who have like everyone had like this very intimate understanding of what the plant can do but also how they can use it and it was also a really political show because one of the contestants in the episodes like i like he's like yeah i went to i was incarcerated for like 10 years for dealing marijuana Mm -hmm. and when i got out this is how i started to make money was to be a chef um you have like a guy who who's there and he's like yeah i do i'm an or this one girl like i'm an educator i I teach about like cannabis and cannabis justice and so Mm -hmm. they there's a there's a specific message that each of them up on but like there's also like you know the one guy who like whose pupils are dilated the entire time and it's just like (laughs) yeah i've just been smoking weed my entire life and i decided to like (laughs) you know mix the two together nice very cool yeah, so I was like, I was like, wow, I'm actually really. I was like, this is probably not a show that people would think I'd be interested in, but it is a show that I think is very interesting and also does a lot about stigma. Like, I think yeah. that I and I'm really supportive of anything that is is going to um, challenge people's preconceived notions and like break down stigma. I love so, that. So, what did mom think about it? Was she? I think she Did just she thought like, like on board with it or what? Well, the episode that she watched was like, yeah, they made something smoked, but they actually like put like they put like cannabis in the smoker, and so they were basically like hot boxing this yeah. dish. And she was looking, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like I I think she was speechless, and then she fell asleep right before brunch, and then <laughs> like a true stoner would, yeah, exactly. I was like, hey, mom, you're doing it right. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, good. Watching with parents. See, let's get them high. There it is. Yes, get them all high. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, we are coming to the end of this art time of this May 2020, the year of Hellfire. And enjoy your time of the month. <laughs>